Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of a Shabbat teaching by Rabbi Cantor Hilary Chorney. So I figured that the teaching has to be just as long as everything else to make it make rituals. No, I'm just kidding. It's, <laughs> I prepared a commensurate teaching to, uh, to what we would be doing this morning, which is a lot of Torah reading and a lot of singing and joy for Shabbat and also for Rosh Chodesh and Hanukkah. And I want to teach a little bit about the Parsha itself, mostly because I think that it gets a little less attention. That's me, Kate's, the story of Joseph and, and Pharaoh and how Pharaoh pulls him once he's remembered by the cupbearer, uh, he gets pulled back into the story and it gets pulled back by Pharaoh's powers. That story gets a little shortchanged when we get Shabbat Rosh Chodesh Hanukkah because of course Rosh Chodesh and Hanukkah get lots of celebration as well. So we're going back into Miketz, into this story, into Joseph and Paro. And I want you to think about kind of the paradigms of figures, people you know in your life, people who you appreciate in your world, people who you've known personally a long time, typically people who are older than you. Maybe pick a person to picture individually. And for a moment, think about the fact that they're either a crier or they're not a crier, right? They either are a crier, they cry tears, they cry easily, they cry at everything, they'll cry openly, they'll cry publicly, everything makes them cry, or I'm, I go to a lot of funerals, a lot more funerals than people my age, right, because I officiate at a lot of funerals. They're the kind of person whom, when they're buried, may it be a long time from now, people will say about them, you know, I rarely saw them cry. The one time was, and then they'll tell the story, because they're really not a crier, right? There are criers and there are not criers. In a moment, I'm going to pass around a source sheet because today I'm going to teach frontally, but I teach with sources to, start, to try to marry the, the worlds of Beitenu and uh, Shir Hadash, our, our, our combined clergy-led services today. And I want to start with this notion that my teacher, Rabbi Eliezer Diamond, brings up about the tears of Joseph. Now, a lot of people in our narrative in Bereshi, in our family tree whom we meet, are criers. You know who's a crier? Jacob. Okay, Yaakov is a crier. And I often teach about Yaakov. Yaakov cries at everything. Yaakov is going to cry when he discovers that Yosef is alive. No, that makes sense, I guess. Yaakov, when does he also cry? He weeps on his brother's neck when he realizes his brother isn't going to kill him for being such a jerk when he was younger or something along those lines. He also cries when? When he meets his beloved. He also cries. Yaakov he cries at every moment, right? He, he cries a lot. He's a crier. But Rabbi Diamond notices that Joseph is also maybe a crier, but only we get to know it. We, the readers, who get to know the narrative voice of the Torah know it because Joseph was another category altogether. Joseph was a secret crier. 
So he starts from this point. He says, in Parshat Miketz, we read of another cry that was not heard. Upon recognizing his brothers, Joseph accuses them of being spies. He first threatens to jail all but one of his brothers and send the remaining one to bring back Benjamin with him. He then relents and requires only one of them, Shimon, to remain as hostage while the others bring food to their families and then return with their youngest brother. After their release, the brothers ruminate on the cause of their adversities. They said to one another, alas, we are being punished. This is uh, chapter 42, verse 21. Alas, we are being punished on account of a brother. We are being punished because we looked upon his anguish, yet paid no heed as he pleaded with us. That is why his distress has come upon us. They realize that they are being punished in that moment. This is what Rabbi Diamond's theory is, that they are being punished in that moment because they paid no attention to Joseph's cries. They paid no attention to Joseph's cries. But is Joseph crying when he meets them? In that moment, that's what we're going to explore. Is Joseph crying? Did they know that Joseph is now crying? Did they know he was crying back then, as they recall in this verse? And do they see him crying there? That is what we're going to explore for a few minutes together. So I'll pass these sheets around. I'll send a few down each section. So Joseph, the secret crier. We're already on page two of the sheet. When his brothers say, Oi, we're being punished because we did something terrible to our brother. A few verses later, three verses later, we have the following verse. He turned away from them. You recognize Sivivon in there? Very seasonally appropriate. Yeah. He turned away from them. He spun away from them. And he cried. The translator here in the JPS reads this vav, the vav of Vayashov as, but he comes back to them and he spoke to them. And he took Shimon from among them, and he had them, he had him bound up before his eyes. Okay. And then in the next chapter, another little vignette of Joseph. And with that, Joseph hurried out. Because he was overcome with a mercy for his brother. Vaivakesh Livkot. What's Vaivakesh? It's 
he requested, but it's being used colloquially here. It's a turn of phrase. By the cash leave coat, he was on the verge of tears. He was, he was about to cry. By Maher Yosef. So what did he do? He hurried out. And he went to his room and he wept there. He washed his face and then he went out. And now, now that he sort of re-regulated, um, re as Pressman Academy would say, <laughs> he's, he's regulated himself again, he gave the order, okay, go ahead and eat the meal. So Radak, who comes in centuries and centuries later, I'm going to offer you two different commentaries on this. He, it's not in, neither here nor there who Radak was, because he's actually going to bring us the translator Onkelos on this, who says that when we learn that Rahmava Chiv is brought up, the mercy for his brothers, this is that Joseph's mercy had been aroused. What, what is meant by this is the reason that Joseph wanted to cry, but then ran and hurried out of the room is because the verse tells us that he was feeling merciful in the middle of pulling this epic prank, right? The, the whole hiding of the cup incident, he was gonna, this was revenge, right? He's in the middle of revenge and he feels a pull of mercy and tears spring to his eyes. So what does he have to do? He has to leave the room so that he can steal himself, S-T-E-E-L. Yeah, he can get himself together so that he can go through with this revenge. The Orchot Sadikim says the same thing, that, this, that we learned that Joseph's mercies were lit up. It's fitting for the intelligent person that the quality of rachamim, mercy, and also graciousness, which is like chen, it should be firmly fixed and present in his heart at all times. Meaning, I think the commentators are very concerned that we know Joseph is a very gracious guy. So even in this episode of mercy, I'm sorry, even in this episode of revenge, why is he constantly on the verge of tears? Why are we being told he's on the verge of tears? Because his heartstrings are tugged. He doesn't want to be so mean, but he knows he has to do a something or feels the pull to do a something. So why is it that Joseph is a secret crier, according to our text? Why is it that Joseph becomes a secret crier? He's a secret crier because he needs to hold on to his resolve and his strength to go through with what he wants to go through with. Because he has an emotional softness, a quality, perhaps multiple qualities, which are great and golden qualities in him, this mercy and this grace, but they're getting in the way of the deed that he's trying to commit. And therefore the tears come up again and again and he becomes a secret crier. I wanna share with you two other characters who I think share very, very similar natures with Joseph. One also comes from Bereshit. You can turn the page if you want to go ahead and look at the English or stay in the Hebrew if you'd like, in which we hear 
She went and sat down at a distance, a bowshot away, because she thought, let me not look on as the child dies. And sitting thus afar, she burst into tears. Who is this story about? Hagar. The story of Hagar out in the wilderness, sent out by Avram, by Avraham at Sarah's request, at her demand. She goes out to the wilderness. She goes at a distance, and she goes at least a bow shot's distance, so that she can tisa lift up her voice. Vatevk, same word from Bechia, Boche, Bocha. She's crying. Ha'emek hadavar. This um, Nitziv commentary. She she says he says. Orapam, again, it's to indicate that she distanced herself as far as possible so that she could actually cry out loud. She didn't just have to cry tears on her face, but crying is two things, right? Crying is tears, and crying is crying out. So first of all, she goes far enough away so that she can actually cry. I connect this with this idea of Yosef going into his own room, right? This idea that he needs to actually go away. She goes more than a, a bow shot, shot away so that she won't be heard. But also, um, she didn't want the child to hear her crying because this is hard for a sick person, whether they'll recover or whether they will die. Hence, she distanced herself further. She goes and she cries aside because she needs to be certain that the child will not hear her crying or see her crying because she needs to show steeliness and resolve to go through with being out there in the wilderness and being mother to this child out there. So similar from my perspective to our Joseph who needs to also go and cry quietly away from others in order to maintain his resolve. And then to fast forward through our Hebrew Bible, through the Tanakh, to Shmuel Aleph. But I'm keeping a theme here, right? This is Liturgy of the High Holy Days, because I think there's a theme here. I could give this a different time of year. Maybe I'll save this and re-give it another time of year when you've all forgotten. Um, but this is actually all related, right? Because these are all pieces of liturgy also out of the High Holy Days. This is the Haftarah for when? The next piece, Shmuel Aleph. Aleph, the first day of Rosh Hashanah, right? And it's like a prayer within a prayer. It's a, the story of Hana, and eventually it's going to become the story of Shmuel. It's great. I love studying it literarily because you would think it's going to be the story of Elkanah, the way that it starts, but then it's not. It's the story of Elkanah and his two wives. And Penina, she is so mean to Hannah. Why? Because she has kids and Hannah does not. And Elkanah says to Hannah, what? I don't give you everything in the world? And so what does Hannah do? Vatakom. That's the first word. That's, what, that's the story up until the point I put at the source eight at the bottom of the page. Vatakom Hannah achare ochla b'shilov achare chateau. After she ate and after she drank, after her sister wife had been cruel once again about her infertility, and after her husband had said to her, 
don't I give you everything that you need? Why are you so sad? What did she do? She got up and she went up to the priest, to Ellie, and she went up and she prayed. And she began to pray before God, but she was praying in her heart so that only her lips moved. But, vikola lo yishamea. It's as if, it's as if she can't find the privacy that she needs to cry and to say the things she needs to say. And therefore, she does it in a whisper, just like we pray today. I want to say about this weeping something very special and something very heart-wrenching about Rabbi Diamond's observation at the beginning. When we think about people in our lives whom we see cry in front of us and people whom we don't see cry in front of us, they're a crier or they're not a crier, we often discount this category of the secret criers, the ones who cry alone, the ones who cry in this particular category that I have defined for all of us who cry because they need to go and find resolve. What Rabbi Diamond teaches on this is that when we get to that verse in Bereshit, in Genesis chapter 42, verse 21, and we get to that moment where the brothers say that we're being punished on account of our brother because we saw his anguish, but we paid no heed to his cries, that it wasn't that they said that they hadn't listened. It was that the brothers were just then realizing the emotional pain that had been going on privately for Joseph all that time. It was as if for the very first time ever, they were realizing that he was a secret crier. It was as if for the very first time, all those cries, this is what Rabbi Diamond says, it's like all the cries from all of the, the moments in their childhood hit them in that moment. Ah, that's the pain he was in. Because they think all this time that the thing that they've done so wrong, the thing that they felt so guilty for, was for throwing their brother in a pit and selling him. But what they're actually guilty of, what they find themselves feeling deeply ashamed of in this moment, is that they realize that they have caused him tremendous emotional pain. How do you hear the cries that are cried in private? How do you hear the cries of people who go to the other room? How do you know when people have to go and they have to steal themselves? The Orchot Sadikim said in their commentary that every person who is a person of wisdom should be able to touch upon the, the attributes of mercy and of graciousness, of rachamim and of chen. So, the way that we make space in our worlds, 
to understand and to not let the cries of our loved ones build up is to give people in our own lives permission to not always feel that they need to steal themselves. To not always have to be the person who is holding themselves ramrod straight up and down. To give them a container, even if we cannot be that container, to encourage them to find that container, to tell them that we see their merciful qualities and we see their sweetness and their graciousness and the way that they're able to bend as well. Because when we leave space for that, perhaps the people who, like all of us, experience some pain and some anguish, maybe they'll be willing to pick up a tissue while we're in the room. Maybe we can make a little bit more space for those cries to happen while we are around as well. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.